0: Welcome to the Teeny Just
1: Hello, Genie Nation! Welcome to Virginia Snomics, our journey to build an open and inclusive world for challenging the status quo. I'm always happy to connect the dots of our network, no matter if you're from Canada, Brazil, South Africa, Indonesia, and so on. Today conversation with Amdina, a global community of data and artificial intelligence scientists. We talk on how to build an AI movement, collaborative and competitive approach, infodemics, social network bubbles, coalitions and global challenges. Uh, you've mentioned that you uh, spend a significant time uh, exploring uh, talent people around the world, including Eastern Europe, and you were born in India. Um, for instance, I c- explore different continents every year. For instance. In uh, 2018, I explored Asia-Pacific, specifically countries like Indonesia. Uh, Previous year was dedicated to Africa. Uh, Do you feel that there is some kind of a correlation between uh, pressure, uncertainty, and creativity? I mean, places which have a a pretty tough environment and problems, it really generates some kind of uh, energy to people to uh, create something. And people from these regions really full of energy to participate in
0: some kind of active change um i that's a, i mean that's a difficult question to answer do i think that there are more people in those regions who are uh trying to um, do an active change compared to europeans um percentage wise may not be necessarily, because I do think that there are lots of Europeans who are also like really want to change. But I think what differs people in, in those countries, like in Asia or even Africa or South America, is, is knowledge of those problems. So if I face that problem every single day, in I see those problems. And of course, I have this knowledge of what problems to solve. For someone sitting in, in Europe, it's very difficult to imagine a problem that they are not facing every day. So I think that the fact of people living in those places um having access to those or knowledge of those problems makes them more eager to 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 solve them or they are better equipped to solve them in terms of energy i i do not necessarily think that people in one part of the world have more energy than that, that but but there is of course this competitiveness is more there let's say in india there is a billion people and of course um Growing up, one of the things that I've been always told that you have to be on the top, and you have to be on the top to have anything good in life. And I don't come from a rich family, so so that kind of competition nature ends up perhaps having more energy, or you know, uh, more more fire. But but I do not always think that, as I say, competition is the best thing to
1: to do that. <laughs> Okay, uh, recently I had a talk with uh, Zindi Africa. I think it's a bit similar to what uh, Amdina does in terms of a using of a collaborative AI or crowd uh, Could you tell me uh, how exactly your platform works in terms of approach, how you work with AI experts or data scientists, how it's happened, and how you actually organize with
0: crowd-solving or a collaborative AI process? So just to clarify, Zindi and Omdita is quite different, actually. So Zindi is more like Kaggle. Uh, I, I don't know if Zindi officially talks about being collaborative, but they are not collaborative. They are a competitive platform. So they put challenges and teams are competing to win that challenge. So there is no collaboration uh, as per se between different teams. right? So that's the main difference, I will say between anything out there in terms of all the hackathons that's happening, all the Kaggle or Zindi's kind of model. Um, and of course, the second big difference is, I think Zindi doesn't only ex- look at only social problems, they look at all kinds of challenges while we focus mostly on social. So how, now the, the second part of the, the, the question that you asked me, how is it different than, how do how does it work? How does this whole thing yes. work? And, and I, I, I can, there is a concept that this comes from a TED talk I heard um, by, by a fellow Indian actually, and he talks about this concept called Soul, which is self-organized learning environment. And he gives this example about how kids in slums um, in India learn using computer without having any teacher. And and the the argumentation he's saying that when you bring a group of people together and give them access to information, let's say through an internet, you don't need a teacher. You don't need anyone to manage them anymore. So they kind of self-organize, they self-manage because they have motivation, and then they end up learning something and doing something together. All that is required to do is to encourage this uh, group of people, keep on encouraging them. That's the only thing that's kind of required. So that was, uh, I heard this talk, and the talk I think was titled "Future of Education" or something like that, and we apply the same concept here. So, um, so that's why when when we we think that what we do in Omnia is quite innovative and disruptive in many ways. We are bringing people from different countries, putting them together with minimum management, have some processes to create some level of structure, but no management top down. Purely bottom up, and then they start self-organizing themselves. Start talking them to, to with each other. They start creating the task, breaking the big task into multiple subtasks, and then assigning among themselves. It's just amazing how this thing works. I mean, I can go after ex- examples after examples to show how this whole thing works. I know we don't have so much time, but there is two quotes that I can say, which both written by. Uh, collaborators who are participating in Amdena. One of them, guy, says, and I don't remember exactly, but he said something like this that um, it is quite unimaginable for him that you can bring people who have never met each other, who are from different cultures and different time zones, coming together, inspiring and learning from each other every single day while trying to solve a problem. And the second guy, uh, he explained his experience in Omdena as like, the first week, he said, is complete chaos, because everyone, there is no structure. But the lack of structure actually ends up creating the structure from purely from bottom up, where the best ideas win, instead of a top down. So, so this is how the whole environment kind of works. The collaboration.
1: Okay, uh, but uh, you mentioned that only one idea uh,
0: wins. So basically, there's some element of competition anyway. No, there is no one idea wins. Uh, he explained in that with the best ideas okay. wins. Now, what does that mean? Is not that the best idea wins doesn't mean that there is a winning-losing. So let's say in machine learning, as you know, there are you could solve the same problem in using five different algorithms, right? So someone says, I want to use... Uh, regression. Someone says I want to use classification. Someone says I want to use, I don't know, clustering, whatever, unsupervised learning. So so and people are free to try different methods. So everyone, let's say in a group of 50 people, five, six subgroups are being formed and they start trying their own methods. And every week they come and share what they are doing. So there is no one telling them you have to try this method or you have to try to do them. Everyone can propose their methods and then they are learning from each other. And then at the end, the the method that has the highest accuracy, let's say, wins in that way. But everyone ends up learning. Also, they try different methods. Everyone learns from each other, and they, they the winning is basically the the model that kind of has the highest accuracy.
1: Okay, you mentioned on your site that uh, your ecosystem involves different type of uh, peers and parties like a data scientists, engineers, domain experts. Uh, could you tell me who exactly could contribute you or join you? For instance, I would love to participate in your uh, mission. What kind of uh, uh, roles or type of participation you have?
0: So It depends on the challenge. So the, the data science or the machine learning ingenious is common. So they, that's if someone has an expertise, they can be participating in any of the challenges. The experts part depends on, on the type of challenge. So the, the challenge that we're running now, which is around uh, uh, data-driven policymaking, uh, we have like around 10 experts. Few of them are medical doctors, healthcare experts, because it's dealing with you know pandemics and understanding the effects of policies on the vulnerable population. We have policy experts. We have one of the guy who was uh, like, you know, during the Ebola, uh, one of the guys who actually did on the ground during Ebola crisis, so, 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 who, who in this particular challenge, because we are dealing with policies and healthcare, we have experts in both policy and healthcare. But let's see in other challenges, uh, it, it would be some other kinds of experts. So it, the experts change depending on what challenge we are running. But the the machine learning engineers or the the let's say data scientists are common in all the challenges. So if you have knowledge about machine learning or data science or AI, you can apply to any of the challenges.
1: Okay, uh, which current social challenges is kind of your top priority in terms of challenges you have?
0: So currently we are uh, running three challenges. Um, the I mean, there is no top priority, all three are equally uh, important. The first one is with World Energy Council and where our goal is to understand what is what are the people thinking around energy transition and in different parts of the world the and the the, the basic motivation here to for them to understand that are people happy about the trans, energy transition are people you know angry about it or there are some parts of the world who don't want to move to let's say clean energy because they it ends up being more expensive so that's the kind of thing that we want to understand the second challenge is with World Food Program, where we are trying to build a model that during disasters, how to do efficient planning, and how to reach to the let's say the most vulnerable population in the most efficient way, or provide them the the right um, um, products, um, and so, so that's the second challenge. And the third challenge that we started a week ago, which is um, understanding government policies and the effects of those government policies during pandemics, especially on the vulnerable population. And when I say vulnerable, we mean both economically and health vulnerable. So someone who may not have access to healthcare would be vulnerable, because in a pandemic, everyone is vulnerable, right? So Even people who are rich are vulnerable. But what we want to focus is perhaps the most vulnerable population who lose jobs and who lose um, uh, salaries and who don't have access to healthcare normally. So how does that affect them? Or how how it is affecting the policies like, say, looking at, we will look at four or five different policies. So one of the policies, of course, uh, uh, lock, lockdowns, completely locking down cities. Um, on other policy, we look at direct cash payments. There are some governments who are saying we'll give a direct cash payment. So how is that going to affect them? So we look at both. Different policies and the effects of that.
1: Okay. Uh, you mentioned on your site that your reach is pretty significant, uh, 78 countries. So uh, based on your experience, uh, do you have some kind of maybe a personal experience or your personal opinion? Which countries are more efficient in terms of using AI data in order to solve some social problems? Which uh, countries have more experience maybe or more spreading of this culture
0: or this knowledge? That's an interesting question. I mean, I never did an analysis on that. So, (laughs) you know, whatever I'm going to say, answer to that question would be perhaps based on my somewhat understanding, not a uh, analysis. By the way, it's 79. So we we just have two new uh, participants in a new challenge from Palestine. So we ended up being 79, Um, 79 countries. So the, I, I think that the benefit of using this kind of collaborative environments and especially global collaboration. So so I can see that effects of while working in the challenge. So technically, if you just look at pure technical expertise in AI and machine learning, normally people in the Western world, Europe and the US, a lot in the US are much superior, let's say. We see that. Um, also, perhaps it attracts more uh, people who are more educated or more, perhaps who have much more experience. But what people in Africa, and and in Asia, bring is a connection to the to the problem. What they bring is, let's say the the that they, they can feel the problem that they are solving. They can bring the context to the problem. So I I can give you an example, and this was a challenge that we were running with United Nations High Commission for Refugees, you know UNHCR, and. Um, it was trying to understand in somalia the relation between conflicts and climate anomalies and how does that affect for example the uh, the refugee population or how you know um, people are migrating then and and because that conflicts causes migrations and we had someone from somalia who is a refugee in kenya now she was not the best data scientist in machine learning because you know she doesn't have so much of knowledge or experience. He can only do some courses online. But she brought the context to the problem. And and also she, of course, she said, since he understands data science, so she could speak a language that is understandable to everyone. While at the same time, the more experienced data scientists living in mostly in Europe or the US, they were able to connect to that environment and and and, and understand the, the, the context of the problem that they are trying to solve. Um, so what we see that and, and, and this that's why this collaborative environment is so important because this kind of really bridges the gap between someone who has more experience in machine learning and someone who has more experience in let's say getting the context of the problem. Or understanding the problem domain
1: okay okay now i would love to jump uh to the key topic our today discussion um is your opinion on corona and ai uh recently i spent a talk regarding how we could uh use ai in order to tap with problem and i mentioned six um, key days to uh, uh, tackle it. At the same time, I mentioned three points where we uh, fail it. And I mentioned, for instance, which we really failed in prediction. So, basically, while we have a startups and teams which uh, have a promise of uh, using AI to use, uh, to predict viruses and pandemic, we were not very efficient. But uh, the key problem that I see is about... Um, smart cities so basically we have a concept of smart cities but we we really like actual working of connection of citizens and governors so what's what we we discussed before in some countries we uh, saw some quick connection between what happened in particular regions or district and analytics uh, of the city uh, and in some uh, regions it didn't work well and the last thing is awareness Um, some people really have no idea what to do or they got this information not timely or not sufficient way. And uh, some people uh, purchased masks, some people didn't eat it. So uh, there is some kind of panic. So in your opinion, uh, on one hand, how we could use AI uh, in terms of tackling coronavirus problem and at the same time, which... uh, um, solutions currently not really efficient and where we fail it in order to tackle this problem
0: so um, I, will, I will touch upon those three points that you mentioned um, and actually I'm now writing an article hopefully I will end it this weekend and I'm my uh, title is basically uh, why we failed to tackle coronavirus and I'm I'm saying that the, the starting I'm saying it's not the medical way what we failed was on other things and the kind of two of those you actually touched upon. So the first thing is the awareness, which I completely agree. I think that um, we, what we should really study how much of this was panic created by, let's say, fake news or media, how much was that, and how much was real substantial data, like people actually really understood it. So, and my hunch, and again, hunch here is a lot what is out there is basically the, the the hype created perhaps by the media or the social media or fake news that people suddenly get too scared about it. Pe- repeatedly, got, media is saying oh, it's such a dangerous virus and things, but they don't, they fail to tell the data, how many people, the, the number percentage and things like that. So that's one thing. I think that definitely we failed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So, the second part is the governance that you said, Uh, there also we failed. I, I think that the governance is connected to the awareness. So, what I presume happened, and again, this is something we'll perhaps see, that a lot of governments reacted to the panic, and then in turn created more panic. So, if the government, let's say, we close everything, then some people were like, well, it must be seriously so bad that we have to close everything. That means we nearly, we should just lock ourselves at home and whatever, right? And in some, somewhere I read that governments, some governments did that on purpose to create the fear because they know that if they create the fear, people will more, even if like, you know, they, 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 they follow 80%, then that's, that's good enough. But I don't know if that's the way to, to solve these kind of problems is creating fear among people. So I definitely think governance is something we failed. Uh, give you a very good example. It's India, it's a, it's a great example in this. So, India did a lockdown. Um, and one evening they said, no buses, no trains, everything closed. But what the government's completely failed to see is there are millions of migrant workers who are daily wage workers who migrate from the villages to cities. Now, once you close everything, And including the the restaurants or the places that they're working, they cannot survive. So they have to go, they want to go back to their home. But when they go back to their home, there is no buses, there are no trains. So what happened actually the next day, hundreds of thousands of people started walking hundreds of kilometers, 500 kilometers, 700 kilometers with families, children, one year old, two year old, completely breaking the whole idea of the lockdown. But the government completely failed to see this kind of whole population who I thought is obvious that they will do that. And I don't know how governments even failed to see that thing. And then what the government said that they did was, okay, we'll create some buses. So then then the next policy was, okay, we'll transport, help these people transport. So they put some buses. But then what happened that these buses got completely filled up with these people because there were not enough buses. And, And you could see pictures of people, thousands and thousands of people in the bus stops, all together. I mean, that again takes away the whole idea of, of the, the virus, you know, if you put thousands of people in one place. So, so I think that it was implemented in such a bad way, the governments, the policies. I don't think it was they just they had no idea or they couldn't understand the consequences of the actions. And I think that's where definitely we need a better system that can help governments understand the consequence of a given actions. And I'm just talking about immediate action. So I'm not even talking about what is the action in three months or six months. That, that, of course, AI can also help. But I'm even talking about they were not even able to see the next day effect of their action. Forget about, I don't think they even have any idea what's going to happen in six months to nine months' time. Um, and the third part is the prediction, you said. I personally do not think that AI systems are able to predict uh, this kind of events that doesn't happen so often. Basically because machine learning relies on pattern conclusions. And to train a machine learning, we need a, perhaps a lot of data, at least the current algorithms. And how many such pandemics happen in, in the history of humankind, if we look at it. So I do not know if we could actually predict pandemics happening, like predicting earthquakes. I think that's something we have failed to do. Maybe maybe some startups could potentially try to do to solve the problem. But I do I do not think we should go into solving, the well, we can, of course, yeah, startups can solve in the prediction. I personally do not think the prediction is, at least predicting pandemics is something that we could do, but definitely the prevention is something we should be, and good governance and prevention is something that the, our AI or machine learning system should have really helped, should have done, which I think we completely failed.
1: Uh, by the way, you mentioned that one of your priorities is healthcare. Uh, did corona inspire some of your maybe uh, perspective projects or some ideas? I don't mean exactly something uh, focused on corona, but maybe our pandemics and problems, some lessons from current situation.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually not even focusing so much on corona itself. So our current challenge is more around pandemics. That what we really need to understand is, Let's say I'm quite sure more and more pandemics will happen. It's just how unfortunate the society has. Now, are we going to lock down country after country, close borders, stop everything every time we have a pandemic? Now imagine, okay, Corona's death rate is between two and three percent, someone say one percent. Doesn't matter, it's around less than three around three to one percent, let's say. Tomorrow if another pandemic happens, that has 0.5% as a death rate. Still a sizable amount of people, right? But are we then again behaving the same way? Or if something has 10% death rate, like Ebola has like 30 to 40%. And then we also, like, you know, they acted, closed the city after city in, in Africa. So the question is, how are we going to behave as a society based on the pandemic. Now, pandemics has different behavior, different patterns of transmission, different way, uh, different death rates, you know. So, so so we need to really be prepared next time when a pandemic comes, that we are not panicking. We are able to analyze the effects of certain actions because economically also, we, we, we have no idea I think where we are going economically. I mean, some people are saying 70 to 80 million jobs lost. That's a a huge amount of people we are losing, like going to lose even directly. I mean, it can go even bigger. So what about that people? How about people dying in in hunger? So are we moving from reducing death in one and and creating an effect of, I don't know, potentially killing thousands and thousands of people because of hunger? So we really need to understand these effects next time a pandemic ha- happens and, and I think this is super important and I feel a bit sad that a lot of focus now is so much money and hackathons and things and I was part of one of mentoring one of the hackathons is just focus on the corona and tracking people uh, how do and I okay that's fine but we need to be really prepared next time such things happen and even for now i mean even like going forward how are we going to act like if we okay find a medicine fine but if we don't find a medicine what are we going to do are we continuing to be in a lockdown for months because the spread i do not i do not think this sp- like because even if we do a lockdown the moment we open up spread will start again happening it will start spreading it's just impossible to assume that we'll just not be able to completely stop the spread so so we really need to understand uh, and and kind of build policies that would ha- has the minimum effect uh, ac- around any pandemic that comes and and that's what i think is is something personally i think that that's not a lot of focus has been done and and i think part of on we would love to work more and more on this kind of direction
1: i completely agree with you and basically i believe that current situation with pandemics is a bit correlated in terms of a whole uh, media panic what we uh, explored with climate change. On one hand, we have a problem. The, uh, on the other hand, we have no uh, anything specific. We really lack uh, discussion from scientists, uh, driven by scientists, in terms of actual awareness, project. So, okay, tomorrow we have something, uh, some problems, a real problem driven by climate change. And what you will do? As a, as a citizen, as an organization, you have no any information, any data, any instruction. You just have some kind of panic. We have a climate change. We will die tomorrow. <laughs> and I believe we have something similar with a pandemic situation. Oh, there's pandemic. We need lockout. Please uh, keep keep yourself uh, in your room. So okay, now we have another virus. So is a kind of apocalypse. Uh, I think it's not a plan. And uh, the funny thing was we actually have a great team, great startups, great technologists, but uh, we really lack some kind of a presence in media, in in conferences. There is different places. There is conferences for techies and conferences for uh, some kind of a a bit more political talks. And there there is no any uh, intersection. There is no dialogue. And on one hand, techies continue to create startups in circular economy and circular food. There are great teams, great minds. And at the same time, there are people who say, we have nothing, we have no technologies, we have no future. <laughs> and, uh, and what about general people, general citizens? We just have no idea what to do, what's next, what plan. What, uh, and it's a just terrific situation.
0: Absolutely. So I think that what you said about the conferences is something I felt. So I actually, last year, I hardly spoke in data science or machine learning conferences. I actually like to go and talk to banking conferences, like domain conferences, because that's where I think we really need to get the problems from there. Even Omdena is an official partner of AI for Good conference, which is basically a lot of UN bodies come there. Um, And in terms of... uh, like the the problem that you mentioned also that, you know, they are they, are, they are, everyone is in a bubble. Yes. The problem is that we don't connect the bubbles. And and that's why we really need this collaborative environment. And when I say again, the word collaboration nowadays is like super fancy. Everyone is now a collaborative environment. But I don't mean collaboration between ingenious. You know, I'm not talking about five ingenious sitting in five different parts of the world coming together only. I actually also mean Experts. That's why Omdina is uh, so that we need to bring those experts coming together and working together. And we show this example that we actually can make people work together from different backgrounds and building a solution together. So um, so th- that's the way to solve this thing. And in terms of the, the connection that you said about, about uh, climate change, I, I think I never thought about it, but I think that's a very, very valid point. And uh, we, unfortunately, as a society, are... Are becoming more and more, um, how will I say, uh, like not only in bubbles, but very, um, I, I can't find the right word, but like where we are just, we have an opinion and we think we are right and the other person is wrong. So we just end up fighting and not listening to each other. So I I, I have this word like, called, like a religion. So climate change is like a religion now. And I even see with, with the coronaviruses like that like people say you have to stay home you have to wear a mask you don't do and that's it you know and if you're doing that then you are a bad person you are spreading the virus and 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 and, the, and then the other side there are people who like to say okay um there are people who are who don't care at all and who said okay there's nothing wrong everything is fine but they are not listening to these groups so 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 we 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 have created this kind of uh environments where people are Arguing and not listening to each other, and, and 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 it's just all driven by either a panic or 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 a very strong opinion and not really listening. And I think social media, of course, has created has caused this a lot of this because we in social media are very easy for us to, to stick to this our group and unfollow anything that we don't like. We don't want to listen. Um, So these are the problems that we are seeing. And I I think that whatever we are doing in Amdena is a small step towards this building an environment where we actually can bring people different backgrounds, different opinions, different um, knowledge, countries, so that we can create this environment where people come together and build solutions and listen to each other. Um, Yeah, so that's the way I believe is to... To go and try to solve these kind of big problems in the world.
1: I believe you mentioned a very important topic related to bubbles. In 2012, uh, I worked on several startups related to uh, data curation and content curation, and basically we dealt with problem um, when we build applications to provide personalized news or personalized content for people. Because every time then we create a re- so-called recommendation, it was of, uh, it was. Uh, uh, driven by your interest it and it's so it's some kind of a bubble because every time you get the content you like and it's is always some kind of pattern of influencers social groups or twitters you follow And it's always the same. So at some point, you continue to follow and read the same uh, type of content in long-term perspective. So we really decided which we need to recommend something beyond your circles. Because otherwise, you just become uh, completely uh, going in one direction in terms of your interest, in terms of your influencers. And yes, I believe people really... Uh, live in different kind of groups and we need to connect with bubbles and and with circles and uh, another thing I would love to uh, mention, it's really amazing that you have a scope, because when people uh, participate in projects like Amdina, they not only educate themselves, uh, as a data scientist, for instance, we're able to become some kind of evangelist for their families, communities, to uh, bring some kind of a uh, knowledge and awareness about particular problems. So, for instance, I participate in Abdina in order to tackle a food challenge or a, a energy challenge, and now I kn- I have a stats, information, data, I have a awareness, and I'm able to become evangelist in my community, in my family, and I believe it's a really amazing in terms of any kind of open source or collaborative project.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. So um, that's the basic part of education is I I think that when initially I thought Omdena to be more of an educational platform uh, than a product development platform, because I felt that the key to to creating these collaborative environments would end up people learning from each other. I was not very sure that we will be able to end up building models successfully. Because in some ways, it goes against all that we learn in management. In management, they teach you, you have to have a top down. You have to have people in one group. You have to give them tasks. These people are all different times. so I I was not very sure that whether we could end up building good and successful models and complicated models. But I'm really happy that I've been proven wrong. But of course, the initial idea was education. And that still stays there. So if you look at our feed in LinkedIn and what people post about us after the experience, by far they, they value the experience of learning, the, uh, what they learned uh, by being solving a challenge. So, so yes, the, and I do see the future of education as this. I, I believe we need to move away from this textbook-driven education given by a teacher of course, in some cases like medical and things, we cannot change it. But I'm talking more on practical education, right? Like the machine learning, AI, maybe even management is more make people solve real problems, not just made-up problems. And um, and there was a one guy actually. I wrote an article about comparing Kaggle with Tom Dana, and and he said he has participated in many Kaggle competitions, and he says he's won. T- it's his code that one um, Amdina experience was more better than all the uh, experiences combined of Kaggle. And he compared that in a way that saying, if you want to swim, learn swim in a swimming pool, that's Kaggle, you know, you are given a well structure, you're like in Kaggle given the data and you're swimming and you have an instructor perhaps, uh, while Amdina is like ocean. You just put them, throw them away, and you just learn swimming while being in the ocean, you know? And because there's tides and all the problems that you face in the, in the real world. Um, so I think that's a way to to educate. I mean, I think that's a, one way of educating.
1: By the way, do you have some kind of an ambassador program in order to represent you in a particular country?
0: We have. So we don't have a formal ambassadors, but what we do have is we have this core group around, I think, 40 to 50 Omdena collaborators who who are kind of somehow running different groups in their own countries or in their regions, uh, like machine learning groups and things like that. So we try to engage them to promote what we are doing in their local communities. And we also give them opportunity to speak in different conferences, like for example, a week ago there's a guy called Natu he's in South Africa, Cape Town and I was invited to speak in South Africa and I of course couldn't go and I, I said Natu maybe he want to take over so he gave a talk on, of course online and he also runs the machine learning data science group In I think in this region so I think there are these kind of ambassadors that we have but on the data science part. what I think I would like to go forward and build is ambassadors on the not the the business side of the data. Let's say this propagating the the collaborative enge, uh, environment. So not just st- sticking to the data science and the machine learning ambassadors, but the other ambassadors who could go to different conferences where the domain experts are. know that we haven't don't have yet. Um, and and people do that sometimes do that voluntarily. So of course go and share about what we do. But I think maybe it's uh, we should build a more formal structure to that.
1: Okay, uh, and now I would love to talk about, do you feel that uh, there is a, some kind of a ecosystem in coalition in terms of the open source AI or a uh, organizations and platforms like Amdina prefer to work in their own way. Do you feel that there's some kind of a synergy between different kinds of organization between, you mentioned that you sponsor uh, AI for good and you would love to uh, push some kind of uh, good agenda in industry, but do you feel that uh, is it really possible or uh, there is some kind of internal competition in industry?
0: Uh, just to clarify, we don't sponsor AI for good. We are just uh innovation partner okay. and okay. we don't pay, we don't have money to pay, but okay. they, they love what we're doing. Um, so if I, if I, I didn't completely get the, 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 the question that you are saying, um, can you once more repeat that part? Uh,
1: Yes. Um, I would love to ask you do you feel that we need some kind of a coalition between open source uh, collaborative AI different kind of competitions in order to uh, bring a clear message to society to social media and grow in in the one direction to solve big problems in order to uh, bring more
0: people to this movement? Well I mean that's always a good. Um... Well, it's always good to have that kind of, if we could end up creating a coalition, that's fine and that's great. But I think that's very difficult to achieve given uh, everyone have their own way of looking at the world. So let's say if if I, if I people who are running Zindi and Kaggle, if I go to them and say, hey, forget about these competitions and let's just come and build collaboration, I don't know they would be happy to create a co- coalition with us. Or if I go to hackathons, people who are organizing hackathons, and say, hey, look, you know, why do you have 100 teams solving one problem? Let's have, or why do you have, like, you know, 100 teams not collaborate and compete to solve one problem? Let them have 20 problems to solve and create teams. Maybe they would not uh, do that. I mean, so I think that I, I'm i not too much driven by creating such a coalition. I think that everyone have the have their own ideas and have the right to follow that. And if people like one idea more than the other, they can switch. So at the end, again, it's the same thing. It's good to have multiple ideas. And I do think that in a way the best idea might win or or it might be suitable. It might be some people might like the Kaggle competition. They, they, they like to be on the top and some people more like to be in the middle, uh, you know, in the collaboration. So I think it also might depend on on personalities and things. So I, I don't know if we need one collaboration uh, combination of ideas, I think it's okay to have different ideas and and I think I, I also think some kinds of problems are better suited by Kaggle, maybe some kind of problems are better suited by what we are doing. I think the social problems are better suited to solve by us because in our kind of problems, social problems require multi-dimensional, multi-domain uh, uh, expertise. But in Ka- Kaggle, it's like when you have a clean data, when you have everything provided and you just have to create a model. I think I think in that case Kaggle is a is a good place to solve
1: okay and how do you see the future of collaborative AI in terms of uh, platforms like Amdina? do you feel that there is a growing trend in interest based on your statistic maybe in terms of your current metrics and flow of new data scientists who join you do you feel that' it's actually growing movement both in terms of your organization and platform and the whole market
0: yes so. Till now, Omdena grew to whatever we are now with absolutely zero marketing budgets. We didn't spend a single dollar on marketing. And and the amount of people that reach out to us and the good things that they have to say about us before the challenge as well as at the end of the challenge um, is is great. So I, I think that there's definitely a lot of opportunity to grow of oh. something that what we are doing. Um I think the challenge that we would face now is convincing organizations to to work with us because at the end we still have to sustain the business. So I I think this is such a disruptive idea in many ways that when I go to an organization and say, Hey, we'll have fifty people from twenty five countries who have never met each other come together and and build a model for you, they would be like, Show me they would kind of they have tons of questions because they don't understand this concept. This, To me, this is kind of a complete shift. They are normal, even if they do outsourcing, they are mostly, you know, teams in one place who know each other. So I think the the challenge that we face mostly now is to convince organizations to work with us. And I think that the way to do that is through showing results. So we have run till now 16 challenges. We have, we have, most of the code is out there we make it publicly available the results we are out there so more and more people are reading it and they are kind of feeling that ah maybe this is a way to to solve certain kinds of problems and a good way to solve certain problems so that's why you know it's my role is to keep on educating also the, the organizations which is always difficult
1: By the way, um, I have a quick question. Uh, You mentioned that you actively use Discord and I found out that people nowadays, uh, not only in corporate world, in tech teams, but even kids try to create uh, some kind of a Discord-based exchange platforms or educational projects in order to um, create some kind of ecosystem in Corona period. Uh, so uh, what's your feeling in terms of such kind of a chats and platforms, in terms of facilitation, how it works for you, re- how it helps you to uh, connect people, in? what one place facilitate some quick call to action
0: yeah i think that in some ways i'm happy that you know this environment made a lot of people aware of social problems so a lot of people are willing to give their time um and um effort into this whole uh, you know solving the problem but i also think that this may not be sustainable. I think I think this is now there's a hype, like any hype phase So people are like, oh, we want to do things. But I think in two, three months when the realities will sink in and things will go up normal, I think people will again come back to the normal things. So for us in Aldena, even now when we select people and we are very kind of careful about selecting the right people. So we don't want to select people who are just hyped because of this environment because we are not a hackathon which is like to come a weekend two days solve some, build something and that's and then you forget about it our challenges go for two months so you have to be engaged for two months you have to keep on being motivated for those two months period um, so i think in some ways it's good like so many things are happening people are doing a lot of things but i think a lot of that is short term um, and will die out uh, once you know this whole hype is go away. But I hope that even if one person or maybe 5% of those people sustain um, and, and want to continue, that's also still a good thing. Uh.
1: Okay. And since many techies, scientists, and even VC uh, will see this episode, maybe you have any kind of announces, call to actions, news uh, which you, you would love to share?
0: Well, I think, first of all, I will say that I'll be, of course, ask everyone who is listening to come and visit our website, see what we are doing, contact us. If you could help us in any way, feel free to reach out. If you are an organization and if you think you want to run a challenge with us, we'll be happy. If you're a data scientist or a domain expertise, reach out to us, want to be part of a challenge. So that's that's definitely there. In terms of, uh, um, I will say, I don't know if VCs is the right, but if we are potentially going to look for an angel round and if there are people who love what we are doing um, and want to contribute, be part of the journey that we are building, um, so I would be very happy to get in touch with them because, as I said, there is, I think the vision is quite big and we definitely think there is a huge opportunity out there. We have somewhat a business model but I think to scale this up to like 5 times faster we do need a small we need to raise a, uh, some money. And that would be my next focus after this in in I think we are looking to do that in May June. So would would be that would be quite helpful.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for this talk. It's really was really fascinating, mostly because you have a scope, and I really love teams which try to tackle different regions, people around the world. And when I found Amdina and I explore, which you uh, reached people in uh, seventy eight, and now you say that seventy nine countries, it's really cool because I believe what we need more knowledge, and as you mentioned, we need context. It's not enough to have a technology and even smart people. We actually need some kind of a local experience and feedback or context to understand how to deal with particular problems like water efficiency, climate, access to emergency rooms and hospitals, and different kinds of problems we have both in emerging regions, but also in developed countries. So thank you so much and have a beautiful day.